You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us today. So, Pope Francis has declared that this is the year of St. Joseph. And to be honest, like many people, I have to say that my knowledge of and appreciation for St. Joseph has been somewhat limited. I always thought of him as Mary's dutiful husband and Jesus's adopted earthly father, but I never really thought about the impact that St. Joseph has played in our church. There are no great quotes by St. Joseph, no books of the Bible written by him. And from the 3,000-foot view, there isn't much that tells us about who he was or is for us. Well, that last part is actually wrong. There is actually a considerable amount written about St. Joseph and why he is considered our spiritual father. Right before Lent, a friend of mine invited me to do a 33-day consecration to St. Joseph. And so I purchased the book, and I've been reflecting on the prayers each day as part of my own spiritual journey through Lent. And already, I feel as though I've deepened my appreciation for him. In Donald Calloway's book, Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father, he writes, St. Joseph is the, quote, increaser. He has paternal love for you and the power to increase the presence of God in your life and take you to greater heights in the spiritual life. He is our loving and merciful spiritual father, holy, strong, and ready to help. He is forever linked to Jesus, Mary, and the church. He protected the Holy Family. He will protect us too if we entrust ourselves to his paternal heart and his spiritual care. Blessed William Joseph Chaminade explains it well when he states that St. Joseph was not a passive instrument in the great work of our salvation. He played a very active role. And so I invite you sometime this year to learn a little more about St. Joseph and the role he continues to play in our faith. And as I go through this devotional, I may just offer you a thought or two about St. Joseph during this season of Lent. Now, let's get to work. Our guest today is Nancy Padberg, President and CEO of Catholic Education Arizona, a scholarship organization based in Phoenix with a mission to make it possible for underserved families in Arizona to have a quality Catholic education for their children. Nancy has been in her role for two years. She has a Bachelor of Science from Iowa State University and an MBA from Pepperdine University Grisadio School of Business. She has also served on the boards of Pepperdine University and Iowa State University Green School of Journalism, and she currently serves on the Catholic Charities Board of Directors in Arizona. Nancy believes in creating high-performance teams and environments with respect, value, and trust for associates through continuous communications. She spent most of her career in Los Angeles and San Francisco leading marketing and media companies. She's been married to David for 30 years, and they have three children and two dogs. Nancy is very proud of her father, who is a fourth-degree Knight of Columbus, and her grandfather Felix, who built the altar at their church, St. Patrick's in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Nancy's complete bio will be listed in the show notes of our episode. And so now, without further ado, here's our conversation. 
Well, Nancy, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here on Advancing Our Church. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be with you today. So what is uh, your weather like there in Phoenix, Arizona? Well, past the sunscreen. It's about 72 degrees today here in February. I'm loving it. Nice. Very nice. Well, we have this white fluffy stuff that's coming down in Pennsylvania. You probably don't get a lot of that in uh, in Phoenix in the Valley. No uh, shovels here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it's great to uh, great to talk with you, and uh, we've only met each other recently, but uh, I feel like we've uh, we've been in this for a long time. You know, this this mission of Catholic education, and uh, in in January, as you as I think as you know, we had some great episodes and uh, on uh, Catholic education and and different organizations that are furthering the mission and working with students and, and making a difference and. Kind of through those episodes, you know, we happened to come across each other, and I was so glad to see uh, in my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Catholic education alive and well uh, under your under your leadership with the with Catholic Education Arizona. So, um, first of all, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got involved? with the mission of Catholic education. What drew you into this? So um, I built my career in Los Angeles and San Francisco. So really spent about 21 years there in leading marketing and, and digital firms, advertising agencies, most recently at Hearst and leading the education division. So when this opportunity came up, we knew our end game was Phoenix. Like we knew this is where we wanted to be one day. My father's here and it was amazing. I thought this is really a marketing firm for our Catholic schools. Right. And I can really live my truth in being Catholic. And I know at Hearst, but really at any company, you don't really talk about your religion so much or right. <laughs> belief systems. And so when I saw this opportunity, I was really, really excited because I thought, well, I can, I can live authentically and bring all my digital marketing skills here. And so that's what we've been working very hard doing for two years. And it's been a really exciting ride so far. Was it a big uh, shift coming from San Francisco to Phoenix? Uh, I mean, culturally or uh, just climate-wise? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, truly, I think what was was weighing on us it was kind of hard. Is truly that the crime and the cost, and mm. you know, all the things that make day-to-day life a little bit more difficult, a little more of a struggle. And when we looked here at Arizona, just the lifestyle and it's just so was so much more appealing as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, where we love California, like I said, we spent many years there. Sure. Um, we really want to be here for my father. And right. this is the biggest small town. It's truly your three or four degrees from knowing somebody that knows somebody. <laughs> and maybe it's just the, the kindness and warmth really mm-hmm. of the, the diocese as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been embraced and welcomed. We really have loved our our two years have gone quite quickly. That's fantastic. Well, you have a tremendous bishop in Bishop Olmstead, uh, and he's known, you know, probably throughout the world, but certainly around the country for his writings and uh, and his wonderful charism. So uh, you're very blessed uh, in the diocese of Phoenix. So we are. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about today about Catholic Education Arizona and. Uh, depending upon where our listeners uh, are at this moment, it you may or may not be familiar with a, an educational tax credit program, right? And so you're a scholarship organization 
that was formed to uh, to offer scholarships to Catholic school students. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that and, and how you're structured? Sure, sure. So we are a school tuition organization, Jim. So um, we have about 60 STOs in Arizona, and there are about 19 states that have STOs or have tax credit programs. Mm -hmm. So we're very pleased, and I always like to share we have been around for 23 years, and we are number one of all the STOs. Oh, congratulations. So thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what does that mean? Well, we help 45% of the children with some level of assistance in wow. our Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the need is there. Mm-hmm. And so we're very fortunate to have this kind of structure um, here in Arizona. So we are our own 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization. By state law, we have to provide 90% in scholarships and then 10% is our operating budget. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing I think that was really important to note is that we don't take uh, student recommendations. We, when our contributors um, get their form, they can designate a school. So it really helps those in the school of the greatest need, mm-hmm. right? So that's really how our bishop and our mission is, is structured. So our mission is we provide scholarships to underserved children mm-hmm. to change lives, serve society, and transform culture. Mm. And so our team of nine here, we jump out of bed every day because we get to do this. We get to change lives through education. And uh, we're really, really excited that um, you know, we've just built this healthy culture, which I'll talk about you know, mm-hmm. a little bit later. But it really is just a blessing to, to be here and get to do this kind of work. So, yeah, um, and, and that's, that's beautiful, Nancy. I, I think um, so many more states could benefit from a program just like Arizona has, just like uh, my other home state of Pennsylvania has. But um, just in case somebody's listening and they're not exactly familiar with how that works, can you describe that for us? I, I know that donors can designate a portion of their taxes, state taxes. Correct. So we have four revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Two are the main revenue streams. So as you alluded to, individual tax contributors can if they're single, they can give $1,183 to us. We provide a receipt and they just turn in with their taxes. It's that simple. Perfect. And then if you're married, you can do uh, $2,365. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more. Um, and we approximately have ten to 11,000 individual contributors depending on the year. So our second major revenue stream are corporate contributors. So we have about 127 corporate partners, mm-hmm. and they can range from any size in any industry. So um, you know, GCU, uh, Grand Canyon University, is one of our largest partners mm. uh, that aligns, of course, with their mission. And then a lot of larger companies, um, home builders, that align with their corporate social responsibility to give back to the community to give back to the future workforce, to help build the future workforce. So um, ITC, CTC, or corporate um, tax contributions, 
We do take donations. We don't, um, that's not our main, you know, revenue stream, but a growing one for us are employer matching contributions. So we have companies here, um, from Wells Fargo to gosh, um, Intel, uh, several companies that contribute or match what their employee contributes. Wow. That's lovely. And they can actually do that all on our website. There's a special software that we have for that. And it's called Double the Donation. Wow. Tremendous. You know, um, when I worked with this program, a similar program in the state of Pennsylvania, and talked with donors about it, I think the biggest challenge with it was just making sure that everybody was aware of it, just education, because the donors who did it always said to me, Jim, this is a no-brainer. Why wouldn't I dedicate my my uh, my taxes to help students go back to Catholic school? Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, we continually are educating, educating. Mm. And I really, we, we are a marketing firm. When we really, you know, peel back the layers, we are marketing and educating, informing all the time through multiple channels. Sure. So, um, from podcasts like this to right. webinars to long form content, like we're creating a guidebook right now, mm-hmm. um, our impact report to, um, our newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, social media channels. Uh, we're on five different social media channels. We have TV spots. We have, um, animated videos. So however you want to learn about <laughs> us, we have a way to teach you. You're out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. That's terrific. And so, um, how does it work on a practical basis with the schools? You had you said you have a, a team that that works with the schools. Um, you know, how does that process work with them? Sure. So, our schools, of course, are our key stakeholders. You know, when we look at our ecosystem, um, we have about a hundred parishes here and thirty-seven schools, and we all work very closely together to share our message. So. We have a parish liaison that goes out and speaks to the parishes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, or puts up a slide or perhaps in the bulletin about us. Mm-hmm. And we also have, um, our, our kind of, I don't want to say they're not school liaisons, but we do something called STO nights. Mm-hmm. So, right, school tuition organization nights. Okay. Where many STOs will come in and inform the parents and in kind of an exhibit situation. Uh, so that's very helpful. We encourage the uh, parents to um, sign up or apply for three, four, five STOs. You know, that's no problem. We don't look at it as a competition. You know, it's it really helps all the children. We work side by side. Um, so with our schools, we work with it closely with the development directors. Uh, we work closely with their finance folks, um, managers at the schools, and they have the application filled out. Um, we use a third party company called FAIR mm-hmm. that decides who is best qualified to receive those scholarships. So we're not involved with that, that part of the business. Other than that, this company has been with us for over 20 years and they've been a very good partner of ours. Well, from an ethical standpoint, that probably would be best, right? I mean, once the donor designates the school or schools that they want to donate their contribution towards, um, it, it, it 
It probably alleviates some of the concern if you have a third party that is objectively looking at the applications, which I'm sure families have to offer some financial verification that they meet the the requirements to receive a scholarship, a, a need a need based scholarship. Correct. A- absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely. True. It, that it takes a lot of pressure. Yeah, off of us. It's true. Mm-hmm. I would think so. So you mentioned your podcast. I'm always a fan of seeing another podcast out there, especially in in, in our Catholic space. How have uh, how has that uh, been a great tool for you? Are you are you getting a lot of listeners, a lot of hits on that? We have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as people become more familiar with podcasts and how they work and really how easy it is. Mm-hmm. And if people are on the go working out or even in their car or what have you, they can listen to it at their convenience. Yep. And so, and that's really, you know, as marketers, we have to be where the consumer is. Look right. at consumer behavior and provide, right? What, what, how are we going to reach them? This is the new behavior. Mm-hmm. So I think we have about, 24 or 25 podcasts now. We post them every other Monday. It's great. And it, it really has been a, a wonderful cadence. And from interviewing people from the diocese to our corporate contributors to mm-hmm. parents, uh, teachers, uh, really giving that perspective from all of our stakeholders in our um, community, mm-hmm. why they give, um, what are the benefits of giving, um, our companies, that's actually one of their benefits. They can, you know, fill out a form. You know, mm-hmm. if they want to be in our social media, if they want to be on a podcast, want to sure. be in our newsletter, we're happy to do that. And mm-hmm. we have some companies that are confidential as well. But sure. um, we do have several on our podcast, which is called Creating Future Leaders. Mm-hmm. So we certainly encourage your your listeners as well to take a listen. Yeah. Um, it's been an exciting new program for us that we started last year. Well, it's a great storytelling medium, and I'm sure you have some wonderful donor stories, donor journeys to share, as well as uh, some great uh, stories from folks who have benefited from the Catholic education because of the, the wonderful generosity of your corporations and your and the individuals who have donated. We've been pleased. We've been pleased with it. We'll make sure we put a link uh, to your podcast and certainly to your homepage uh, on on our sh- on the show notes of our of this episode. Um, Want to talk a little bit about you know the I don't want to call it the elephant in the room, but you know the the thing that we're all dealing with here, working through this pandemic. Um, and I, I'm sure that you, you hadn't been in this job for too terribly long when all of this happened. Um, <laughs> but just about a year ago, actually. Now we're. Uh, we're here at, at, as we record this at, towards the middle of February, and it was just about a year ago when we all were shutting down or learning the new um, the new ways of working from home. Um, how have you had to adjust uh, during this this past during this past year during the pandemic? Well, great question, mm-hmm. and um, you know we're supposed to, we're still in it. Yeah. So I was a year into the role when um, we had to make a lot of changes and adapt quickly. Yeah. So I was very fortunate my first year in the role, my executive chair, uh, Melissa Fees, really met with me every month and um, educated me on um, different different stakeholders, mm-hmm. um, the different um, influences, where I should spend my energy. And that was just absolutely a great education for mm-hmm. me. 
And meanwhile, I really worked on creating a healthy culture. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll, I'm going to dovetail into the pandemic. But the reason we were able to really lead right through it was earning my MBA at Pepperdine, which places you out in the world for purpose, service, and leadership. Mm-hmm. So the emphasis there, um, and Christian-based, of course, the emphasis is really, um, my, my biggest takeaway is building healthy culture. So mm-hmm. built on trust, respect, and value for one another. But really, mm-hmm. isn't that the Christian way any, anyway? Sure. Mm-hmm. So how do you put mechanisms in place to do that? So continuous communications, um, a structure for that would be week- weekly one-to-ones. Sure. Many three meetings a week to have this face-to-face time. Check-ins. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you doing? Because when it's quiet, people can get lonely or afraid or the unknown. Mm. And so that goes for far outside our office work, right? But to focus it back on the pandemic, we knew we needed continuous communication. So we started our Monday, Wednesday, Friday meetings remotely at nine o'clock on Zoom. So we could say, how are you doing today? We'd always start out with a Mm check-in. And then what are we focused on? Where do we need help? And so we were able to to move through this um, and talk about it. Always talk about, you know, how we're handling it and how are you doing? Mm-hmm. So when I got here two years ago, there was not a laptop for everybody. Mm-hmm. So there were just a couple. And so immediately I got laptops for everybody, which really paid off. Because yeah. We could work at home then with no problem seamlessly. People are getting expert, you know, uh, at Zoom and doing share screen. And it's just practice, you know, and being comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's it been, uh, I just have this incredible team. I really, really do. I, mm-hmm. I They move mountains. I mean, I think we have 31 different marketing programs going on right now. 31. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 31. 31. <laughs> From from print to email to direct mail yeah. to newsletter, I mean, all the social media channels. We're acting as an advertising agency, and why is that important during a pandemic? Because your brand has to build trust. Sure, your brand always has to be consistent in its messaging, mm-hmm. and we were able to stay right there because guess what? People were spending more time here. About six and a half hours a day, people are on their phones or some kind of electronic platform. Mm-hmm. So we're able to be there with positive messages or, you know, not always a call to action, um, you know, donate or contribute, but uplifting messages and fun messages as well. Yeah. You know, that was really important to show that that brand personality. Well, you know, it's so interesting what you're saying about the whole loneliness piece, because you hear a little bit about that in the news. And especially depending on you don't know what the person's at home situation might be living alone. You know, you have a lot of young adults, single people who might be on their own relatively, you know, for the first time or only for a couple of years and single people and, um, you know, or 
you know, maybe a, a family of, of five living in a relatively small home already, and now you, they find themselves 24-7 on top of each other, all of them trying to Zoom and do uh, coursework and uh, and their jobs all at the same time in the same space. Uh, and not have enough Wi-Fi bandwidth, right? right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. think about Exactly. Well, you know, all uh, all five of us have been uh, either Zooming or streaming uh, at the same time. We had to upgrade ours uh, in our home just recently just to make sure because we were each getting kicked off at different times. So I don't want to be in the middle of a podcast like this and suddenly go dark. (laughs) But but it's, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Everybody's home situation and and the the influence that that plays certainly on on their job and then the, maybe even the way they see their lives and the way they see things kind of moving forward. But how wonderful you've been able to use electronic media. I think, um, and I've said this before on other shows, but it is, uh, I think we've crossed a bridge that we can't go back, which in so many ways is such a good thing. We've taken our church into the 21st century. I'm so impressed with our pastors and our principals who've embraced yeah. it in so many ways and our teachers who are trying to teach one-on-one or teach one-on-25 uh, and, and use this yeah. technology technology effectively. Um, I'm sure that's been the case in, in the Diocese of Phoenix. Yeah, a good perfect example is we had an STO night the other night mm. and 19 people were on Zoom and four people were in the room. Wow. So there was a hybrid model where it also, we're finding efficiencies with mm-hmm. electronic media too. Didn't have to drive, park, right? It's saving some time mm-hmm. and you're still getting a really um, similar result. Yeah, so absolutely. So you can really solve this, you know, solve issues and mm-hmm. um, be creative. And it really has been um, been efficient. And I'm thrilled. Our schools really have... Um, They've had to move fast. Yeah. And uh, we're, we see a lot of hybrid models going on. And each school can determine what they want to do mm-hmm. because they know their community best. And if some can be online and and some can be in person, and they really they work in pods and a lot of times. So it's a very, um, you know, what group you're in. Um, so... They've done a really, really good job at keeping the education at the forefront and still educating that whole child, mm-hmm. um, which is so very important. So they don't have a leg of that stool, if you will, that that foundation mm-hmm. that our Catholic schools provide so well mm-hmm. with the intellectual um, stimulation, right? Physical, um, spiritual. Uh, the intellect. So it really is that holistic because when you're away, all you know, it just when you're away from that classroom, you you miss that that learning. Um, I think richness and robustness. Uh, our, there's no question. Our many our kids have missed out on so much, and so the the ways that we have been able to try to compensate for that is no, sh- no nothing short of heroic in my book just uh, the innovation that has gone into it and the care and the compassion um, but certainly I mean I have a, a junior and a senior at home in high school who are working pretty much virtually this year and okay it's been uh, it's been a challenge they've you know w- without a question their experiences that they are missing out on that unfortunately they're not gonna we're not gonna be able to recapture at some future date down the road so 
Um, right, in that age, they're so social. Friends are so important. And, yep. That's you know, hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that uh, with your with your digital background, I can only uh, imagine that that has helped to impact some of the marketing and the enrollment strategies a little bit for your schools. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So when I was at Hearst, um, I led the education division. So there are, believe it or not, over 30 MBA programs in San Francisco, San Jose area. Wow. So think about it, very competitive. Yeah. They all want that 25 to 25-year-old to come take their MBA program. Right. Now think about the headquarters that are up there, a lot of headquarters. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, programs we put in place for the universities was geofencing. So we can take um, and place your ad, say, just in the Twitter headquarters or Facebook or Google. So you walk in with your phone, the MBA ad would hit the phone, and I could be on there for 30 days. Now, where it goes in your news streams, your social media streams, but that's a geofence. Retailers have been using it for a while. Sure. Uh, we started using it for universities. Now I've brought that here. And so now we're geofencing parishes because Why it's not? one way to get in there to, we know people are here. So we want to be where they are. We're also geofencing CPA firms. Hmm. CPA firms are our army. Right. A CPA might have 100 to 200 clients and we sponsor the CPAs in Arizona too. So print is still important, right? We're in that trade magazine that they read every month. There's 5,000 CPAs reading mm. that magazine. Nice. Um, so we really use all the digital pieces. So SEO, search engine optimization, what does that mean? More relative relevant content on your website. Mm-hmm. It's search engine optimization or organic search. Everybody goes to Google. About 70% of all searches are done on Google. You want to come up on page one. So that means you're writing really good content for your website. Mm-hmm. SEM, another acronym, a lot of ways to say it. Google paid ads or PPC. We didn't have that when I arrived. So you do a Google search, you're going to see always three ads for whatever you're searching for. Sure. You know, if it's vacation or new carpet or a new car, there's always going to be three ads. Mm-hmm. Now, here in Arizona, we're bidding on those keywords. Our ad agency is our digital firm. And during ITC season, which is now through April 15th, so the individual tax contributors in Arizona, if they go to Google and search something about tax credits, Catholic education, some, something about that, mm-hmm. we will come up on with an ad. Now we're seeing a lot more traction to our website because of that. Mm-hmm. So using the SEO, SEM, geofencing, all new digital tools, um, programmatic advertising where we can really target the individual based on behaviors, mm-hmm. based on demographics. But we couple that with direct mail, renewal. Re- you got to have to do, you know, a, a renewal mailing is really, really important to us. Yeah. Um, our newsletter is online. Um, we're doing 
we're doing a full page gym in the Arizona Republic. Nice. Up. We got Catholic Charities on there, St. Vincent de Paul. Looks great. Um, Community Foundation. I mean, we're really, really excited about this program. And when you use an integrated marketing approach, you shorten a sales cycle and you increase conversions. Mm-hmm. So we're able to keep a consistent message across all of our channels, whether it's print or digital. And we're seeing, we're seeing more contributors. We're seeing more inquiries because it's not an easy, it's not an easy like taxes. People don't always want to talk about, right? But when they know what it goes to when they know the value proposition and the benefits. Yes. Hey, I can't wait to share that we have a 99.4% graduation rate. In fact, all Catholic high schools do, but that's amazing. It is. It's amazing. And 97% of the graduates go on to higher ed mm-hmm. or military service. So that's something we're, you know, we're all very proud of. And that's where the tax dollars go is to help students change the world ultimately, right? That, you know something about that. We're all about changing our world. <laughs> 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 That's tremendous. You know, I love I love the graduation stats that you you just used because I think that really just in those, you know, two little talking points that you offered there says so much about the quality of education and the quality um, of attention that the students are getting at Catholic schools in the Diocese of Phoenix. Incredible. Yes, absolutely true. And I just I think it's that holistic. Mhm. A child is really a lot of care and attention and understanding. Just backing up to geofencing just for a second. So uh, we'll just pick on that one piece. Um, In case somebody's listening, they don't know exactly what geofencing is or how they might uh, look into doing that for their parish or their school. Can you you give us a little bit more of an in-depth on that? Yes. Well, I tell you, call Adam at Gigawatt Marketing in Milwaukee. He's my guy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> He's my agency for seven years. They've been doing programmatic and geofencing for me. Okay. Very cost efficient because mm. uh, you're only paying for the impressions that are seen within that. You can get down to three to 500 foot area. So you give them the address. And, you know, I'm not sure all the electronic sure. things that happen, the technology behind the curtain. That's okay. Yeah. But I see the traffic and I see the clicks and yeah. I see it happening. So. Um, we can give them, say, 25 parish addresses mm-hmm. and say over this three week period or over Easter week, what have you, we'd like our ads to be shown to these designated parishes. Yeah. So it'll give you a quote and mm-hmm. an estimate. And it's really just an interesting, neat, effective way and it's, to get your brand out there. And it's pretty affordable. It is affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it's truly, I want to say a couple hundred dollars per parish. Oh, wow. It's not, it's, it's not expensive. That's impressive. That's impressive. Well, I'm, I'm sure that uh, those listening will, will be eagerly looking him up <laughs> or at yeah, least Googling Adam, Adam geofencing. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't a parish or a Catholic school do that? That's, that's fantastic. Well, and think about it. If I was a school, I would geofence the charter schools or other schools during admissions. Mm-hmm. You know, come see us for a tour, check us out, whatever your messaging might be. Yeah. But right. at least give them the option, especially 
this last year, because I know there's a lot of unhappy parents out there with the with uh, public schools. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How has enrollment been in the diocese overall for the last couple of years? Sure, good. I would say stable mm-hmm. and steady. Okay, so, good. Um, I because of the pandemic, I believe on an average it's off about four percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. That was last year, so I'm not sure what's happening this year. Sure, because I know we're getting new inquiries because. You know, the word's out that we really have been um, in a hybrid or in-person learning environment. Yeah, tremendous. So, Nancy, what does the rest of the year look like for you? Well, we're energized here. Mm-hmm. We are we are uh, jogging and running into <laughs> um, individual tax contributor season. So, yeah. we need to get as many individual tax contributors through April 15th is our deadline there. Um, yeah. And then, um, our, then we really turn quickly right into corporate season is overlapping. And by June 30th, we need our commitment forms in mm-hmm. from our corporate contributors by June 30th. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of our fiscal as well. So wow. we'll begin our new fiscal year 22 on July 1st. And uh, we're busy laying out impact reports right now. And, um, just making sure that we're getting our message out to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And you know, the growth in Arizona, we've had a lot of new people move here yeah. that don't know about tax credits. So right. we're, we're constantly getting our message out in new ways. Well, I've heard that Phoenix is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Is, is that still true? It is. Yeah. It is. It's been in the top. I want to say top three or five, but Maricopa County has been growing like like crazy where Phoenix is. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a lot of California firms coming over mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagine after these snowstorms, <laughs> you know, you might, the snow melt too, you might we're going to get, get a, a few, lot more individuals coming. <laughs> yeah, you might get a few East Coasters heading west, yeah, seeking a warmer client or, or south, <laughs> one or the other, especially after this winter. Absolutely. Right. So how much, uh, I I should have asked you this at the beginning, but roughly how much uh, do you guys raise in about a year roughly for scholarships? Sure. So on average, we're going to be anywhere from 17 million to 19 and a half million, depending on the year, depending, you know, on the factors, the economy, if there's new federal tax deduction that you can take. Mm -hmm. So then we get real busy and get that messaging out there if there's any kind of, of change, of course. It's tremendous that you serve 45% of the students. Uh, and and that, that 17 to $19.5 million, uh, I'm sure, goes very quickly. <laughs> yes, yes. So 37 schools, six high schools. We are one of the only uh, markets, diocese, that built a new high school a couple years ago. Congratulations. Uh, St. John Paul II yeah. on the West Valley, and it's growing. And Sister Mary Jordan there is just doing a fantastic job in her leadership. And uh, of course, we're close partners there and helping with that growth however we can. Sure, sure. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Nancy, uh, thank you so much. Um, I will um, make sure that we put your contact information and your, uh, your website, and I'll certainly a link to your podcast 
on the show notes of our episode page. But uh, thank you so much for being on Advancing Our Church and, more importantly, uh, all that you're doing for Catholic education uh, in the Diocese of Phoenix. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and just being a part of your community. So thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. God bless. Thank you. Have a blessed day. You Bye-bye. Too. Bye-bye. I want to thank Nancy for being on our show today. If you'd like more information about Nancy and Catholic Education Arizona, I'll leave links in our show notes. And to view the full video presentation of this podcast, please visit the show's episode page on advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. Good luck on your journey through Lent. Take care and God bless.